0: Hello and welcome to episode 72 of
1: Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. This
0: is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? What that boils down to is that we look at movies that are raw rotten, rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2007's The Number 23. Directed by Joel Schumacher, starring Jim Carrey, Virginia Madsen, Logan Lerman, Danny Huston, and Rona Mitra. The Number 23 is a two. 2007 psychological thriller film, it currently holds an 8% on rotten tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis?
1: Walter Sparrow is a family man married with Agatha Sparrow and works catching dogs in the Department of Animal Control. He has a teenager son who. This isn't even correct English. Did you read this? Yes, I did. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna read this plot synopsis phonetically. Walter Sparrow is a family man married with Agatha Sparrow and works catching dogs in the Department of Animal Control and has a teenager son very close to his wife and him. <laughs> On the day of his birthday, he is bitten by dog and comes late to meet Agatha. While waiting for him, Agatha buys a detective book with a novel about the mystery around the number 23 in a bookstore as a gift to Walther. <laughs> He becomes captivated with the story and obsessed with the number 23, finding many coincidences with his own life, and he decides to find the author, believing the story is about him. His further investigation discloses a mysterious situation that makes Walther paranoid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Walther!
1: I think I may have shed some light on the mystery of the bad IMDb plot
0: synopsis. There's a guy, his name is Claudio. He's from Rio de Janeiro. He has over 3,000 plot synopsis.
1: So Claudio has seen a lot of movies.
0: Yeah, and he wrote this, and I'm pretty sure he wrote many of the other ones that we've done on this show. So English is a second language. That's why these are so wacky. (sighs) Free pass? It,
1: no. No, he doesn't get a free pass because if I let spelling and sentence structure go, the plot synopsis still is inaccurate. Okay, the number 23. What is your issue with this? This is the first time I've seen this movie. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I remember the trailers. I I remember thinking that it looked immensely stupid when I saw the trailers, <laughs> and so... No I, way! You? No way! you. This is the kind of movie you eat up. Give me a break. No, 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 no. This is the movie I, I eat up, but then I saw Joel Schumacher directed it, so I still... Steered clear. Oh, okay. All right. All clear. Right. Danger, right. danger. So I stayed away from it. I saw this
0: back in college in 2007. It was in one of the college computer labs and, and somebody projected it on the big screen and we all watched it. That was when you were a senior. Yep. I swear to God, it must've been
1: midnight. I was working on my thesis <gasps> and someone put on the number 23. <laughs> and you just stopped working on your thesis and watched the number 23. I did. I did. Time I did.
0: well spent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I would seen this movie before. So the, the shocking plot twist didn't really shock me by the way it's another one of those movies that's all structured around a plot twist so if you ever want to watch this movie i don't know why but if you do maybe you should watch it first before you listen to this because we're going to spoil the hell out of
1: it there really isn't much to spoil to be honest I, I don't think so
0: okay so let's do what we always do at the top of the show we'll discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did First up, Walther
1: himself, (laughs) Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is... Actually, I haven't spoken about Jim Carrey at all on this show.
0: Yeah, I was shocked. This is is his
1: first for making his
0: triumphant debut to Yes, Yes That Bad. Bad. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Carrey. James
1: Carrey. I love Jim Carrey. I think he's a great comedic actor, and I think he's a great dramatic actor (laughs) as well. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is one of my favorite movies, and so is The Truman Show. I think (laughs) that he, he actually, I think, believes in this kind of stuff. Um, him and Jenny McCarthy, when they were still dating, <laughs> believe in the in- <laughs> Indigo, Indigo children. and uh,
0: Dancing by a
1: fire. D- yeah, yeah. Them digital and, downs. Yeah, them and Maynard, they all <laughs> hang out together and sing in Pucifer. I think that he doesn't get the opportunity to act in a lot of dramatic movies, especially since this one. And uh, I thought he did okay. I thought he did all right. Everybody else was, well, they were where they were. They're not James Carey.
0: I don't know. Mr. Carey can be a very captivating character when portrayed on film. But not this time. This time he was very, very, very flat. I would say flaccid. Limp. limp Really floppy. Sloppy jaloppy It wasn't very good. No, he was very bad. It was the material, right? The material was really terrible, and it just dragged him down. He had nothing to work with. Like, he can act. This guy can act. He's proven. He's a known quantity. He can act.
1: Jim Carrey's a phenomenal actor. I don't. Yeah, think I agree.
0: I- he is in three of my favorite movies, just like you. I love The Truman Show. I love Eternal Sunshine. And I'm toss Lemony Snicket on there. It's one of my favorite movies Agreed. As well.
1: That was your first exposure, I believe, to one of our patron saints, right? Emily Browning? Yes. (laughs) We gotta get her in. We gotta, we have to get her back in here.
0: In fact, Lemony Snicket was one of the first 5 out of 5s I ever gave. Really? When the 5 out of 5
1: rating system was enacted. Jim Carrey's acting in this movie was on and off, and the parts where it was on, the rest of the actors really didn't know what to do with it, and the story was so ridiculous that it came off comedic. When was he on at all? I thought he was crap the whole time. Towards the end of the movie, when he was about to kill his wife, I thought that he was all right. but then it came off as Comedic because it was so out of place in this movie. Okay, next up, Virginia Madsen, the wife. <laughs> Moving on. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's all you have to say? I didn't believe that she was married to Jim Carrey in this movie. I didn't believe she was married. I didn't believe she cared about him. She didn't love him. Zero and I didn't chemistry. Believe, yeah, it was really bad.
0: Zero, zero. Ashton Kutcher, yeah, Katherine Heigl. Absolutely. level chemistry.
1: <laughs> I didn't believe that she was married to him, and I also didn't believe that she was a mother character to her son in this movie. It was she just was she, she was just, just there. She was just a placeholder for a wife character. It was really, really upset. Could have been anybody. Could yeah. have been anybody. Really could have been.
0: Okay, next up, making his triumphant return to Yes, that bad. This is now our third movie with this young up-and-coming beefcake and training. Logan Lerman. First, we went toe-to-toe with him in Gamer. When he was the titular Gamer. Gamer. <laughs> But then we saw a lighter side of him, and he was a young man in The Butterfly Effect. He was captivated by the Butterfly Effect effect. in The Butterfly Butterfly Effect. Now, he plays Jim Carrey's son in the number 23, which is kind of interesting because this movie falls between those, right? It's, it's between...
1: he wasn't... but, but- It's between yeah. Butterfly
0: Effect was first and Gamer was after, so it's like somewhere in between all that. So he's really young, up-and-coming, gawky teen. This is before he turned into Percy Jackson. How did you think he did this time around?
1: I'm going to start off by saying that he's at a two-and-a-half beef level. He's He hasn't gotten his three beef yet.
0: Two? That's extravagant, my friend. Really? You need to drop that star.
1: I'm not going to... Too, and I'll tell you why. He was dressed in the nines in this movie. You he had what? some great clothing. You know what? You're right. He had a clothier in this movie.
0: You're right. He was a fashionista. He really was. I don't know what they were thinking with the fashion designer or whatever, but this little 11-year-old kid was dressed better than most adults
1: are. You, I'll go as far as say that he was dressed like he was on a photo shoot for a clothing company the entire time.
0: But <laughs> how did he act? How did he perform? Because I thought he was great in butterfly effect as a little kid, which is rare. That never happens when you're like, oh, this little kid's great. I mean, I I feel as if in every movie we've watched that has a little kid in it. I'm like, oh my God, they're terrible. Like the Amityville Horror. Here, I'll- But he was great in Butterfly Effect.
1: How How did I think he was in this movie? I believed he was Jim Carrey's son. To that effect, he didn't really have a huge role in the plot of this movie. I thought he was piss poor in this. Yeah? Did you not believe he was Jim Carrey's son? No, that's not the problem. It's just like when he
0: talked and he was reading his lines, I thought they were just dead and wooden. Very bad. They were. He's a kid though. He's 11. Yeah, but he was
1: awesome in the Butterfly Effect, so that's no excuse. Again though, look at the source material this movie. The Butterfly Effect had something to work with. This is just I, I, as far as storytelling goes, abysmal. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to talk about these other two people? No. Then I don't know. No.
0: I'll say this about Rona Mitra. I always confuse her with Kate Beckinsale. Like when she comes on screen for like three seconds, I'm like, was that Kate Beckinsale? Nope, Rona Mitra. Okay, that's it. Let's get into the brief history of the number 23. There isn't much here at all, actually.
1: This is the second film to pair Schumacher and Carrie. Are you saying Joel Schumacher didn't go on an epic to study the number 23 and learn about the Pythagorean cult?
0: The first being Batman Forever. This is Carrie's first leading role in a suspense thriller for his performance Jim Carrey was nominated for the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Actor at the 2008 Golden Raspberry Awards, but lost the award to Eddie Murphy for Norbit. A Tough
1: race. That That is a tough race, but Norbit Norbit was bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On its opening weekend, the number 23 took in $14.6 million. $14.6 trillion. (laughs) (laughs) Coming in behind Ghost Rider 1, which grossed $20 million in total. The film grossed 35 dollars 2 million at the box office domestically. Worldwide, the film grossed... How much? 50. 77.6 million dollars.
1: Smash hit across the pond, huh? It was in release a mere 35 days. That's actually not bad for 35 days, all things considered. Okay, the number 23. Okay, so this movie opens up to a interesting choice, uh, kind of like a typewriter, things being typed onto the screen. It almost looks like a video game cutscene intro. It was interesting, the way that they displayed their their Information. I agree. I actually like the way this looked. It actually had me somewhat interested in the movie I was about to watch.
0: Right. I was like, oh, this could be good. It had a whole bunch of different examples of the number 23 appearing in all over the different places.
1: Yeah, it gave a good sense of insanity and obsession to this number. And uh, I don't know. It was kind of creepy. Yeah,
0: it's so like, perhaps we'll be treated
1: to a competent feature film because I mean, yeah. this is really well made. I haven't seen this before, so I thought, hey, maybe we got something here. Yeah. I knew better though because it was Joel Schumacher. I knew he was up to his old tricks.
0: Hey, yeah, man. Redemption is possible, right? Look at Transformers 3. True. Well, this after the opening credits sequence, we're treated to that, yeah, it's that bad classic staple flashback. Right. But up the ante, bad narration.
1: Yep. Uh, Jim Carrey is narrating over his own life where he's introduced one more time as a pet detective. It turns out he's a dog catcher, though. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> he's a dog catcher and a detective in yeah, this movie. Make him a. Walter is a pet detective.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He is! <laughs> ah, that's great. Well done. Yeah, he's like a dog catcher. And the movie starts off on February 3rd. By the way, February is the second month of the year. And third the third, third is the third
1: day. That's 23. Oh my god. 22 and 3 is 23. Oh god. And 5. Oh my god. Okay, so I was... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're right. We we I have in my notes here that I was worried because I was getting a competent and interesting info screen. But then flashback to December 23rd after we're getting an open narration of February 23rd. So.
0: Yeah, it was like a flashback with Within, within a, a flashback. flashback.
1: So I was I was put at ease that this movie was going to suck. <laughs> I was worried for a second. I was like, uh-oh, might get a good movie here. But then they did a flashback within a flashback, which we rarely see.
0: Wait, there's a reason why they don't do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so apparently Jim Carrey is going back over all the events that led up to where he is at this point in his life. So Jim Carrey's a dog catcher. He gets called out to get this bulldog called Ned. And he has a shepherd's crook with a uh, lasso on the end of it. So
0: Jim Carrey has this dog. He catches it. In his hook. By hook or by crook, he grabs it. No, no, he it's pulls just, it's, it
1: in. it's called a shepherd's crook, is what it's called.
0: Whatever. He pulls it in, and
1: then the dog, it's a little frisky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dog, the dog didn't, I don't know, he's a little hungry. He didn't take too kindly to this. He went in for a little nibble. It didn't look like the dog bit Jim Carrey. It looked like Jim Carrey got shot by someone. A sniper? Yeah, like a sniper got him. Well, yeah, the dog kind of twitches. The camera cuts wildly, and this is a really poor cut, in my opinion. And then, and
0: then it just cuts to Jim Carrey's face, going,
1: and then it cuts back to a bloody arm. And there was some weird sound effect, I think, where it sounded like a, a gunshot. So I thought that someone shot him in the arm. I thought the owner of the dog shot him. And I was confused. I was like, what? thought somebody had set up the dog being there to shoot Jim Carrey. So so it shows that after he gets bit by this dog, it holds him up. And he is late to meet up with his wife, Agatha, for, and she's in a bookshop. And she picks out this book, which is going to become the central prop of this entire movie. By the way, the address of the bookshop was 599. <gasps> Add those up. 23. Twenty-three. Oh my god. Damn. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're in this book. Oh, by the way, Agatha. Is that supposed to be like Agatha Christie? Yes. Is that—is that it? Is that all there is to it?
1: You got it. Wow. It's pretty clever, right? Super clever. A
0: detective story with someone named Agatha in it. Okay, so Jim Carrey goes to meet his wife, and she's already in the bookstore, and she finds this book that's super red and shiny looking. She picks it up, leaves through it, and she goes, hey, you know what? You'd like this book. Let me
1: buy it for you. you like this book. I based this on nothing. I've done to judge this
0: book by its cover, which has nothing on it. And say, just,
1: hey. it just the word, the number 23. And you're-, you're gonna going to like it.
0: All right. So now that Jim Carrey has the book in his possession, the movie kind of takes this twist. It takes this turn down this road that I really, really, really do not like. The whole movie now becomes structured in this way. We get the real world, which is Jim Carrey running around, doing stuff with his wife, catching dogs or whatever. And then we get the book and Jim Carrey sits there and he reads the book and we are shown what he's imagining in his head while he's reading it. I would say that, well, like 50% of the movie is book stuff.
1: Right. About half the movie is book stuff, and I agree with you. I, I dislike this. I almost wish...
0: Split I, it off into its own story. Like, don't right. do both. It's, it
1: was really annoying. Not only was it annoying, in Jim Carrey's mind, apparently this book is created by Frank Miller and Sin City. Yeah. And it, it's this really poor... Noir. Noir-esque...
0: Really bad. Yeah. And that's the worst part, too, though. They spend so much time with him reading the book, and he gets really obsessed with it, and his wife reads it. But the story is not even interesting at all. Essentially what it is, is Jim Carrey's reading this book and it's about a detective who goes on a case and he stumbles upon the number 23 and, and he becomes obsessed with it.
1: Yeah. It, 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 I also dislike his name. Detective Fingerling. Finger looking good. Fingerling, mm, finger looking good. Yeah. So, by the way, the author of the book, that's another
0: stupid name. Topsy Cret. Topsy Cret.
1: Top secret? Oh my God. How'd you figure? it out. It's impossible. (laughs) So we then cut back to the real world and he's becoming obsessed with the number 23 and how the book here is very similar to his real life and he believes that he's starting to believe that he is the protagonist in this book.
0: You mentioned that he says that the book kind of mirrors his life a little bit. Yes. And he flat out says he goes, Fingerling reminds me of my life. My memories. Gee, I wonder what's going to happen at the end
1: of this movie. Is that foreshadowing, Joel? Very heavy handed. Actually, I think it's just literally saying what's happening. It's,
0: it's not, not foreshadowing like, at all. They're no, just it's telling not, us.
1: It's not, it's not even foreshadowing. It's not insinuating anything. It's just literally telling... It's like handing you something. It's like, here you go. So you can't look directly at the screen and goes, guess what? This book is my life. It's my <laughs> memories. Guys, guys, this book literally is my memories. <laughs> <laughs> so we're cutting back and forth and as we cut back and forth between these two worlds, reality is getting skewed in not an interesting, creative way. Like there's a man with a shadow with a knife in his bedroom. I don't understand that at all. He keeps having these visions of a man with a knife. Like, and what? I, don't, I don't understand it. And, and it. and it's never explained. It makes you think that there's like a guy at his window just stabbing into the air. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it.
0: And he's not even scared when he sees No, that. he's not. He's not bothered by it. <laughs>
1: Really weird. Oh, man.
0: We were spending a lot of time inside the book him reading the book, so this is essentially a movie of a guy sitting on his ass reading a book and he's sitting there reading it and we're forced, forced to do this stupid subplot of fingerling the detective. And I wrote that in my notes. What the hell is the point of this movie? Why is there so much reading? I think that's a good question. What do you say to Joel from last night? If you could go back in time and answer that question.
1: I don't know, Joel. I still don't understand why there's so much reading. It's on necessary. He doesn't need to narrate over something that's being shown to us. It's completely superfluous. I understand that he's reading the book. You
0: know, movies that have heavy narration, they get a really bad reputation amongst movie fans and movie reviewers. People say it's lazy, right? But I if never it's really done, agree to that.
1: If, if it's done right, it's great. Uh, Shawshank Redemption is a great example. Yeah, right. you think about a lot
0: of the movies that are have a lot of... Uh, Green,
1: Green Miles, is th- another great example, but those are both King movies. But-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you, if you think of a lot of the movies that have heavy narration, there's a lot of really good ones, like Shawshank Redemption, Fight Club, Goodfellas. You know, there's a lot of good movies with narration in it. This is one of those movies they're talking about that's just lazy with the narration. He's telling us how he feels. He's telling us what's going on. He's telling us how we should
1: feel. So Come on, this is crap. It's really really unfortunate and completely like I said before, unnecessary. It's an addendum to something that is complete already. It doesn't need it. Like They're showing us what's happening and I understand He's reading. I get it.
0: Yeah, show us a picture of him reading the book. We don't and, have to and, hear and, and, him and, and reading it. Just, just show it. Yeah, just show it.
1: Have the have the the book be a different color filter. And that's it. They already did that. They already changed the entire style. I know he's reading. I know that 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 I'm no longer seeing the real world anymore. And it doesn't help that he reads super slow, super monotone, and super boring. I didn't know that I was going to feel this way, but and I met Suicide Blonde. I was good. Now I'm bad. <laughs>
0: wow. Dramatic reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. An impromptu dramatic, 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 dramatic reading. reading. Yeah, so the detective character, he meets the suicide blonde. Yeah who is this woman who is insane. She
1: belonged in Sucker Punch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. She jumped out of Sucker Punch and into the number 23.
0: Yeah, so she's this character that the detective meets, and she's the one who teaches him about the number 23. (laughs) She's gonna kill herself because the number 23 is everywhere, and for some reason, that's driving her insane. This is the point where we have to get into it and explain what the number 23 is for people.
1: The number 23 apparently has some type of cosmic significance where it's able to find its way into everything. everything, Patterns and people's names. What's really, down. what's really unfortunate is that in this movie they, they've done something that I've never seen any movie or story attempt to do and that's give a number a persona. They're like, the number 23 is after me. How is that I, I possible? I was it's scratching an abstract my head the idea, entire time. An abstract idea turned into some type of phantasm, like it's like a ghost.
0: Okay, here's a couple number 23 examples for you, Martin. Michael Jordan was number 23. Yeah. Perhaps these will tickle your fancy. They'll tickle t- your pickle. Tickle my funny bone. The last time Jim Carrie and Joe Schumacher worked together was in Batman Forever, and that film, Carrie's character, the Riddler, also showed an obsession for numbers, which he used to represent letters in the alphabet in his riddles. The numbers were 1, 8, and 5. Batman figured out that 1 and 8 were meant to be 18. 18 plus 5 equals 23. (gasps) Walter's room at the asylum, it was 318. 31 minus 8 equals 23. The address of the bookstore is 599. 5 plus 9 plus 9 equals 23. The apartment number across from Suicide Blonde's apartment is 959. The dog in the movie is named Ned. Ned is the 14th letter of the alphabet. E is the 5th. D is the 4th. 14 plus 5 plus 4 equals 23. The number on Walter's car add up to 23. The DVD contains exactly 23 characters. The film came out on DVD in the UK on July 23rd. The office Agatha Sparrow visits is the number 31A 318 31 minus 8 equals 23 and so on and so on and so on
1: and so on. That that sounded really stupid. Mentally boring.
0: So let's actually talk about this. So I got a really strong knowing vibe. Knowing with Nicholas Cage. That movie had numerology that had numbers. In that movie The numbers there, were a code. There was an actual message there. There was a point. What was the point of the number 23 in here? Why is it so menacing? Why is it so scary? What's the point of it? What, what is it trying to say? What is the reason for this? I don't get it. So what? The, so you can find the number 23 anywhere. What's the point? Who cares?
1: Without a purpose the number 23 being in everything is irrelevant and that's why this movie I, I, I think you use the word nonsense it really is completely nonsense Nonsensical.
0: That's my review of this movie. This movie is nonsense. Have you ever heard of apophenia? No. Know what that is? That is the human mind's inherent desire to find patterns in randomness. Order from chaos. So basically, that's why there's a face on Mars and a man on the moon. And like we don't like chaos. We want to impose order on things. That's why we see these things. And it also doesn't help if somebody kind of primes you and they tell you, Hey, listen to this. I play this backwards, and you'll hear Satan giggling or whatever. You know, it raises an expectation, and you find it. And that's all this number twenty-three crap is to me. You're looking for the number twenty-three,
1: and everything. You're gonna, so f- you're you're gonna, find, gonna find it, it everywhere.
0: Then so what the hell is the point of this? Why even make this story? This is a stupid idea for a story. And when you watch the trailer for this movie, they make it seem like this number twenty-three thing is leading up to some unbelievable revelation.
1: Like there's going to be some some hidden truth that they're going to expose of
0: the universe. It's
1: As you're watching the movie, it becomes appallingly clear that... (laughs) that this movie is completely ridiculous. You could have made his insanity focus on anything. Literally anything in the story I don't think would have changed.
0: Okay, around this point, we get introduced to this professor character and then we get this long info dump exposition where they're like talking about the number 23 throughout history, all this crap. Were you on the edge of your seat during this scene?
1: I couldn't figure out if 23 was a blessing or a curse.
0: Yeah, if you take two divided by three, you get 1.666. Six. 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 Six.
1: Six. Six? Six? Repeating. Six. Line over it. I don't know. If I was a professor or anybody that cared about this person, I would tell him to seek medical attention immediately. This professor was a professor of what? Psychology? Numerology? I don't remember. That's not not a science. Parapsychology. Cryptozoology. He was a professor of cryptozoology and- He was looking for the mothman. Astrobiology. Oh, okay. Space animals? Space animals. And he he tells him that when he finishes reading the book, he might have an answer for him. Whatever the hell that means. What what, what does that mean? mean? He won't know until he finishes reading the book? How could he know that? So they keep jumping back and forth between the real life and the book and I'm
0: getting more and more and more annoyed with this. It's just, like, just pick one of these stories. You it, can't do both. You can't have it both ways. Just pick one.
1: Not only that, the stories are the are. are it's the same thing as happening in both worlds. They're mirroring each other. And they're, they're really both annoying. And they're both annoying. 23 pairs of shoes. <laughs> ugh, saxophone man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> Okay, diarrhea so, man. Diarrhea, yeah, and diarrhea man. It's, that's the mirror. Okay, so we're taken into the book, and this is the one time where the after effects in this movie, one of the few times where I think it looked very good, and he's in a, a psych, psychiatrist's office, and the office is moving. It's becoming elongated. Space is kind of warping around him while he's speaking to the psychiatrist, and it's mm-hmm. pretty cool looking.
0: We get a nice defenestration scene, which I, I quite this. enjoyed.
1: I liked it. It was good.
0: was him out the window. I actually started cackling like a bull. Stabbing my feet, clapping my hands,
1: and giggling while this guy falls to his death. What? Can, can you explain why he plays the saxophone? What was the point of that? It's pretty jazzy.
0: Oh, Martin, don't you know? The standard student sax has 23 keys without the neck. Does that answer your question?
1: Um, yes. I didn't know that, and I played the alto sax. Hey, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. A liar and a thief sits before my very eyes. I played it from third grade. I played it through years. the
0: third grade through the second
1: grade. That's 32, 23 but, reverse. I'm Oh, Oh my God, and I went back in time. (laughs) I started in third grade and stopped in second grade. By
0: the way, that's another thing. Can we talk about this? Sure. Throughout the movie, when they're they're tossing around the number 23s every which way, isn't it cheating when they're like, this is 32, it's 23 reversed?
1: Yeah, that is cheating because it's not 23 reversed. What is it? Negative 23 is 23 reversed.
0: (laughs) So just like in the Amityville Horror, Jim Carrey is having these psychotic visions. He's going crazy. He's losing his cool. I'm losing my nerve.
1: I'm losing my lunch. The saxophone is going wild in the background. This really bothered me, the saxophone noises. Because it sounded like someone doesn't know how to play the saxophone, it was just like wailing on it. Did you know that the guy who did the
0: music for this movie was the same guy who did the music for Metal Gear Solid 2?
1: No, it's amazing. No, it really is amazing. I'm (laughs) I'm actually very happy about it. It's at this point in the movie where it's insinuated that the professor that he is seeing is having an affair with Agatha, his wife, in the real world, and also mirrored in the book world. I guess his wife there or girlfriend is cheating on him with his psychiatrist. Like, who cares? Are we supposed to care about
0: what happens in the book? It's not interesting. It has no bearing on anything. What the hell's the point? Who cares? So right. what does this movie want to do? What are they trying to do here? It's so strange what's going on with the plot of this movie. So, so we have the main plot of Jim Carrey and his wife. Right. We have the number 23 everywhere in the world angle. We have the stuff that's going on in the book, which is terrible. And
1: then there's some supernatural aspect that's guiding him.
0: Yes. There's like a magic dog who can see the dead or something. And then there's also the mystery of who wrote the book and what the history of the book is. What is going on? There's no direction in this movie. There's none.
1: That's the dust of Schumacher way. Schumacher touch. This, coup de this, gras. Uh, Midas Schumacher touch turns everything to gold. Okay, so he goes to prison to find and speak to who he believes is top secrets.
0: Yeah, because he randomly went to a library and he found that some girl was murdered and bop, 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 bop. Ba, 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 it's like,
1: what is going on here? What is the chance of him figuring that out? Going to the rock, like, just <laughs> randomly? <laughs> this girl was murdered now, at this time, and she was 23 at the time of her death. She died at on the 23rd, and it was 2,300 at el- hours. At 11, 12, which is, if you add 11 and 12, is 2 and 3. 23.
0: By the way, that was one of the big groaners of the movie for me. There's a part in the movie where Jim Carrey's trying to go to bed, and he's looking at the clock, and when the clock strikes 11, 12, it goes, dumm big scary music and sound effects. Like it's like a horror movie.
1: Okay, so his wife goes to a, what looks like an asylum from the 1920s. Like this place looks like it's been abandoned for a minimum of 50 years, correct?
0: Yeah, very reminiscent of Last Miss Call. We're having a wacky scene in an abandoned asylum.
1: It looks like it's actually the same place. She's going there because... Yeah, why is she going there? Why is she going there? (laughs) I, I actually can't figure it out. Why is she going there? What led her to that asylum? Do you remember? Oh yeah, I do remember. They, tried, <laughs> they,
0: they did a little sting operation and try to find the author. Top
1: secrets. Oh, right, right, right. And he stabs himself on the neck. Yeah, they... <laughs> they, <laughs> they do 23 boxes full of styrofoam peanuts. Empty. And... <laughs> the person who goes to this P.O. box that was discovered on the back page when his son pulled the, where he pulls a piece of paper that was stuck on the back of the book. finds a P.O. box. He goes to that P.O. box after they send 23 boxes full of just styrofoam peanuts and an old man dressed in a black cloak. <laughs> it looks like he, he, he looks like Alec Baldwin in the shadow comes walking into this, it's this to, to this P.O. box and they're like, it's gotta be him. It's top secrets. It's, it's top secrets. <laughs> Jim Carrey goes in, confronts him, and he goes, you're supposed to be dead. And then stabs himself in the neck. What is going on? Why is Jim Carrey supposed to be dead? This is never answered. (laughs) This is never answered.
0: This old man's on the ground, and instead of, like, rationally talking to them, he grabs a knife letter opener, and he slashes his own throat and kills himself right then and there. It's ridiculous. This is just weird for weirdness' sake.
1: Anyway, she takes his ID, and it turns out that he was a psychiatrist at a psychiatric facility which is now abandoned and has been abandoned for 400 years. <laughs> yeah, 400,000 years. That's what it 400,000 like. epochs. It's been abandoned for a long time. She goes in and goes to room number 23. Oh my god. Where she looks into a mirror, which has the number 2 written on it and is reflecting the number 3. <laughs> she then follows the number 23 into a room in the back, and there is just scrawlings on this wall like a uh, mad, like, you know. A psychopath. A psychopath. He been- wrote
0: 23 all over the walls. Again, what the hell is the point of the number 23? I don't get it. Why Who cares? Why is
1: everybody writing on the wall? Like, like, it's almost as if they're trying to figure out Math, a, a mathematical equation, and the answer is always 23. But really, all that's happening is they're just writing the number 23 over and over again. It seems that anyone who comes in contact with this theory goes insane. But it's not a theory. What is the theory? That the number 23 is everywhere. But and, what does that mean? What do you, what, what, you have to, have, like, to have a theory, you have to postulate an idea, and the idea is that the number 23 is, is everywhere. The number is after me. That's what he said. The number is after me. What, what the does, does that hell mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? That's an, an, an abstract idea is after me. Love is after me. Then justice is after me. The the number 23 is not a real thing. It's not real. It's made up. Yeah, justice is after me. <laughs> Brotherly love is after me. It's, what? <laughs> Honor is after me. Okay, so apparently Jim Carrey figures
0: out that if he goes to the 23rd page of the book and circles every 23rd word... 23 times. He finds a secret message. And the secret message is leading him to this place in the park and telling him to dig a hole. And he does it. Him and Logan Lerman go to the park and they start digging and they find a skeleton down there. They call the cops. When the cops come, the skeleton's gone. Oh, mystery plot. What happened to the skeleton? It evaporated or something.
1: The way... they were digging in the ground for this body, Reminded me of the way Nicolas Cage would dig for treasure for a national treasure for a national treasure. And when Jim Carrey hits something, it sounds like he's hitting a wooden like like a treasure chest. But then when the camera zooms in, it's a skull. Like he was tapping on it, like it was wood. Like what is going? hand me the flashlight. And it's just like, oh, it's bone. <laughs> I'm like, what? There is no rhyme or
0: reason or structure to this mess. And that's what I'm using for. This movie is a mess. People are running around screaming <laughs> for what? I don't know. There's just no point to any of this. It's just nonsense, right? A lot of noise for nothing. You know what? I gotta say, compared to this, knowing is a masterpiece. And I've really grown to appreciate that movie. After watching a piece of crap like this. I'm glad to have you on our team. Oh, welcome aboard. Yeah, welcome aboard. <laughs> Team knowing. <laughs> to make a long story short, we come to find out that the person who wrote the book was not top secret, but Walter. Walter himself. <laughs> the, wa- the whole time Walter was the author. Jimothy Carey <laughs> wrote the book himself.
1: Jimothy Carey. <laughs> what a shock, right? I can't believe it. He wrote the book, really? After he said, this is my memories and my life. It's like the mirrored my life exactly it's, how do they do this it's like i wrote this book <laughs> Jim C. Carey
0: wrote this book. <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah, so it turns out the book is in fact a suicide note. So everything that happened in the book actually happened. Jim Carrey really did kill somebody. What a,
1: what a sucker punch.
0: He, oh yeah, he really did go nuts about the number 23 and blah 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 but he it, got amnesia. And it turns out that he it.
1: is a killer. All this leads up to Jim Carrey giving us this super long reveal scene. It is 25 minutes long, and. Is bad storytelling, really lazy storytelling, right? because I mean, when they, they, are- when they
0: do this in a Saw movie, and they're like, dun, 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 and they're showing all the stuff that happened in the movie, and like really quick cuts. That's like a minute long sequence. This is twenty five minutes awesome. long.
1: Usually, it's really cool. Yeah,
0: this is crap. This is lazy as hell.
1: They're showing him do physical therapy after he commits suicide, and they're literally showing us in real time him doing physical therapy over the years. <laughs> this is the equivalent of feeding a. Baby Baby, baby food. So, hey, you audience, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. So, here, here open, open up. up. <laughs> feeding me in the story. It's really, really bad. Oh, it's infuriating. Jim Jim Carrey then is confronted by his wife, Agatha, and she does something that's mirrored earlier on in the movie where Jim Carrey actually killed his college, girl- his college girlfriend. girlfriend. She does something. She had it coming. Clay she frankly. did it. It's very interesting because his college girlfriend essentially tells him that, you're a weak, weak, weak man. You wouldn't kill me. She added like 10 weeks actually though. And yeah. It-
0: he had a knife to her throat. He had a knife to her throat. And she was He's antagonizing it- him. And it
1: shows previous scenes that he is insane. He's r- scrawling of a madman on her leg. Um, She knows he's crazy, and then she goes, how could I ever love you? You're weak, just like your father was You're a weak. You're
0: piece of crap. Weak, weak.
1: <laughs> it's, it's also revealed that his father committed suicide. He shot himself in the head with a Taurus judge. Yeah, yeah, with a Taurus tort- <laughs> He was able to aim that properly at his head. Just loaded it with a shotgun shot. So Jim, I guess, is antagonized by his college girlfriend. I'm going to say that that's her committing suicide. Kill me, kill me. You couldn't do it.
0: You're a weak, 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 weak. limp, shrimpy dick loser.
1: You're nothing. Oh, and what a shock. Did he actually killed her. <laughs> yeah, it- So his wife does something very similar to this, but he turns around and goes, No. I'm
0: not a weak, weak man
1: man anymore. Strong, strong man.
0: Yeah. After Jim Carrey uses his Taurus judgment and decides (laughs) not to kill his wife, (laughs) he runs out of the building and he stands in
1: the highway and he's Ready to commit suicide yet again, and a bus comes. The bus has gotta be five miles away, and it sees him immediately because you can hear it honking his horn. The number 23 bus is 23 miles away, and it sees him 23 minutes before it's about to hit him. And he honks the horn 23 times. It accelerates. It doesn't, the the bus could have easily have maneuvered around him, could have easily applied pressure to the brake pad, slowing the bus down ever so gently without harming any of the people on the bus. But does that bus driver do that? No, he accelerates, right? He does. He's he's in for the kill. Yeah, he's trying to kill Walther? Walther. Walther at the last minute though just kind of turns, very lazily turns away <laughs> and the bus misses him and then the dog across the street goes roof, roof, runs away. Jim Carrey hugs his family. He's...
0: Yeah, so to make a long story short, Jim Carrey confesses his crimes to the cops and the movie ends with him in jail and he's really happy about it. The do, do the
1: crime, do the time. Yeah, the end. Ugh. <sighs> so that was the number 23. Let's find out what the real Real critics have to say about this movie?
0: For all its gimmicky numerology, the number 23 just doesn't add up. Tom Charity, CNN.com. There's a mess of things wrong with this suspense thriller, starting with the fact that it's neither suspenseful nor thrilling. Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. And finally, director Joel Schumacher never knows when enough is enough. Terry Lawson, Detroit Free Press. Okay, Martha this movie currently holds an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. But is it really
1: that bad? This movie is horrible. I, it is a waste of time. And it is long. It is a long movie. It it's only is... an hour and a half. No, it's long. Than that, it feels like 23 hours. This movie is abysmal, a complete mess. I'm, I'm gonna give the movie some credit. It looks good, yes.
0: There's that one shot where Jim Carrey's scrawling crap on the walls, and you see him moving through the room and like through time. Very well done, very competently shot. You um, know, just like Uva
1: Bull in House of the Dead, he has one really cool shot in the movie, right? The rest is total crap. This, the story is completely incoherent. The acting is terrible. The you're trying to, you're this movie does something really really bad. It it takes energy away from you because you're trying to figure out something that has no answer and was never really a question to begin with. It's just completely inane. This movie gets a solid one out of five.
0: (laughs) Okay, as for me, is it really that bad? Why, yes. Yes, it is. I'm reminded of a movie called The Mothman Prophecies. That, too, had a weird mystery that ultimately amounted to nothing, really, but that was infinitely more interesting than this. Infinitely more. Knowing as well that's another movie that had some wacky premise this movie is like you said is a mess absolute mess there's no rhyme or reason to any of this there's no structure to it none of it makes any sense it makes me wonder if maybe something was cut from it that explained it all I mean we watched the theatrical version but apparently there's an unrated cut on the DVD which I refuse to watch (laughs) This really, this movie really is unwatchable. And it's a shame, too, because you look at that trailer, and that looks like a fascinating plot line. Really interesting stuff, completely and totally squandered. One of Hollywood's greatest sins, right? You get a really cool premise, just totally flushed down the toilet. This happens constantly.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: As for me, is it really that bad? Yes. One out of
1: five. Wow. Two ones out of fives. If you were to take both of those one out of fives and you do five minus one minus one is three, and there's two of us is two, and that's two and three is 23. Oh my god! I know. It's even in our review. <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere! Okay, let's read some
0: listener mail. Kelly writes in and says, hey guys, I came across your podcast a week ago when I was looking for something new to listen to on a long car trip. Needless to say, I spent the majority of the trip catching up on old episodes and I almost had a car accident from laughing so hard at your Taylor Lautner jokes in episode 50. I'm working on a movie review blog myself at Saturday Night sneaking that So I love your banter and attention to detail. You guys really know what you're talking about, and it makes your podcast all the more fun to listen to, even four or five episodes in a row. On that note, I wonder if you've ever considered having a female, i.e., one of your sisters, girlfriends, whatever, guest hosts an episode. I'm not suggesting that the podcast is sexist or against women. I wouldn't keep listening if it was, but there have been a few episodes like Twilight and Valentine's Day especially, where a woman's perspective Perspective, might have been beneficial in analyzing the movie. It might also help to expand your content into other film genres you haven't touched on much, such as romantic comedies or musicals. Keep up the great work. I look forward to seeing what you talk about next.
1: We did have a uh, girl on one episode. You
0: started around the 50th episode range? Yes. You got to cut it down a lot and listen to episode five and you'll get your wish. There was a mysterious 23-year-old <gasps> female. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Mart, who was that? I I'll never tell. Uh,
1: yeah. Or or will I? I don't know. I don't even know who that was, and I was talking to her for an hour and a half. I know who it was, but... I'm that's at a, liberty to say. Yeah, it's a mystery. Even you're not at liberty? To no, say. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm. I have no right to out her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you
0: think we could bring a girl on the show now? I mean, we had her on the show then because we didn't know what we were doing. There was no structure. There was no rhyme or reason or anything. There were just the number 23. There was no
1: reason yeah, for we, anything. We, we were shoemockering our way through the podcast.
0: <laughs> okay, next up. Alice writes in and says, Greetings, gentlemen. I took up the challenge of the movie The Postman with Kevin Costner and can now say with distinction I have watched in its entirety the full two hours and 57 minutes of epic horror horse battles, and line dances. (laughs) And yes... There is the required, yes, that bad, double cross. As if there was any doubt. I think I have come to the conclusion that Kevin Costner is to Dennis Quaid as Robin is to Batman. I invoke Clause 7. Have you seen The Postman?
1: Yes. (sighs) Did you think that was time well spent? No. No, that's, it's, that's, that's Waterworld territory. I mean, you're looking for your movie that you want to compare to Waterworld as your baseline. That's, that's it.
0: Joe writes in and says, how's it hanging, fellas? I was re-listening to some of your podcasts during the week and I had a question about, the Wild Wild West episode. It is easily one of my favorite episodes despite it not featuring Martin. I'm sure he's really upset that he couldn't be a part of it. I'm
1: not upset that I had to see that again.
0: Anyway, in minute 20, you guys are discussing a hilarious scene in which Will Smith mistakes the constant gender bending Kevin Klein for a woman (laughs) and starts slapping her breasts like a pair of bongas. The sound effect was so spot on that I figured you must have used that clip from the actual movie. Then I remembered that you joined are a lazy bastard and would not want to waste your time looking up movie clips. Wow, this guy knows me so well. <laughs> so, how then did you make that sound? I must know. My theory is that Kevin, who is named after the actor Kevin Klein, <laughs> Who plays Artemis Gordon in the movie Is such a Wild Wild West fanboy That he actually dressed in drag for the podcast When it came time to talk about the scene Joel simply reached over And started slapping Kevin's cleavage Thus creating the sound we heard on that episode Thanks for the laughs, take
1: care I wasn't there for that, but that sounds spot on
0: how did we do that?
1: Uh, I'm not going to tell okay. how we
0: did that. I'll never tell. <gasps> Another crap movie. <laughs> okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yesthatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time for the question of the week, week, week. week. <laughs> It comes in from our old friend, Margaret. She says, hello. As always, you guys are doing an amazing job. I am now in the process of hacking and preparing to move to the U.S. in a few short months. Remember awesome. She's from Chile. Yeah. So listening to you guys help me relax and laugh in this chaotic time. Anyway, inspired by a question of the week a few episodes ago, what is a movie that you initially loved but then slowly grew to dislike each time you watched it? Kids' movies don't count. Also, Joel, how many people asked you, so when are you getting married? at Kevin's wedding. That is a question I have been tortured with at every wedding I have gone to and been a part of. Congratulations to Kevin on his wedding. Take care, Margaret.
1: You have a movie? Well, I got asked that question zero times. Because no one cares about you. No. I, oh man, that was a wild night. I was asked that question also zero times. Mm. Not even by my girlfriend. She just didn't care.
0: As for the movie, I would say I really love Scott Pilgrim, but the more I watch it, the more it kind of loses steam every time I see it. lax, lax luster? Yeah, yeah. So I have to like stop watching it altogether
1: or else if I had to pick a movie Adjustment Bureau I thought that, that movie was pretty pretty good the first time I saw it and I don't really like it that much now to be completely honest and and I really really like uh, Philip K. Dick and his work but I was not a fan of that movie at this point I was but I'm not anymore
0: okay head on over to yesatbad.com leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer now it's time to announce the winner of the listeners choice poll and the choices were Steel versus
1: Spawn and the winner is Spawn I can't believe it hey Spawn you want me to touch wild Your precious Wanda. Ugh. That's a great, that's Uh, a good impersonation, right? Okay. Do I sound just like him? I can't wait to hear that for an hour in my ear. God, delicious
0: Wanda. Okay, so tune in next week when we will be watching Spawn. Okay, and before we go, I have some little mini news here. I was recently interviewed for the blog Ultra Mega Death Ray, which you can see at ultramegadeathray.wordpress.com. If you head on over there, you can see the interview where I talk about the history of the show, the origins, of beefcake, why Martin is on this show. <laughs>
1: I still don't know. I still can't answer that question. Yeah, who knows? Maybe Joel answered for you.
0: Maybe you should read that. Yeah, so head on over to ultramegadeathray.wordpress.com and check out my interview. And I'll also post a link to it in this episode's show notes so you can check it out. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook facebook.com com yeah, You can follow us on Twitter at Yeah, it's bad. You can follow Martin at Yads yeah, Martin, and you can follow Kevin at Yads yeah, Kev. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at Stitcher.com slash Yeah, it's bad. Put in the promo code yeah, it's bad, and you'll really be helping out the show. Once again, thanks for listening. See you next time. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie.
1: (laughs) Another drop in the bowl for Joel Schumacher. (laughs) Roger Ebert, top critic.
0: Another shimmering jewel in his crown of (laughs) crap.
1: James (laughs) Brardinelli, real Real views. views. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought you could make Turtles in Time look like an Oscar-winning masterpiece. (laughs)